Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Well, uh, turn to Romans 5 with me, but before that... Uh, so last week we ended service with asking you guys to, to watch Bethel Reading Sunday morning. And I want to uh, just kind of make an amendment to what I said. We originally received an email from Bill Johnson just letting us know some things that were going on. And um, I thought he was speaking. I apologize. He did not speak on Sunday morning. But before that service, um, right before Chris Fallotton got up to speak, some of the uh, Bethel Atlanta staff pastors got up there to talk about the Equality Act and just this bill that is right now in front of us. And um, we want to encourage you. We're going to put some things up on our Facebook page, on our community page. Chris Fallotton uh, uh, sat with one of the, the pastors at Bethel just to talk through this. Um, it was on Facebook. And I really encourage you guys to get on there. So we'll post that on our Bethel Atlanta community page. Um, if you're not a part of that community page, you're part of our community. So go ahead and join the community page. And we would love just to partner with what God is doing there. So, uh, yeah, for more information, just get on our Bethel Atlanta community page. Or, again, you can also go to Chris, Chris Fallotton's um, Facebook page, too. And Bethel Atlanta, I mean, pardon me, Bethel Redding has some beautiful stuff on sexuality. And it really just describes just a kingdom view of sexuality. And so uh, if you want to get on there, too, they have some beautiful resources for you guys. Okay? All right. Well, we're going to start off in Romans Five, and uh, before then, I, I love just to share testimonies. I, I was reminded this week of a testimony. So I was uh, in a in a grocery store in Australia, and I was with a, a, another pastor friend, and he was just telling me he was like, he said, Justin, man, words of knowledge have just been going to the next level in my my church, and um, he started sharing testimonies of God's goodness. Do you love it when you start talking about the Lord and you can feel His presence come? And again, we're just buying a couple drinks, and um, so I'm in line to pay, and as he's talking to me, I, I look at him, and I said, um, I believe the woman at the, the cash register, uh, the Lord told me she has pain in her right hip, and um, I believe he wants to heal her. And so I get up there, and there was a bunch of people um, behind me um, wanting to pay too, so I said, I just, I just paid, and I said, I'm going to wait till, uh, it was a very small store and there was only two customers behind me. And so I waited for, uh, I, I, after I paid, I stepped off to the side and waited for her to go, uh, um, for the, the customers to leave. And so then I walked up to her and, uh, and I said, uh, excuse me, do you have pain in your right hip? And she said, yes, I do. And I how did you know that? And I said, uh, and Different times, depending on what the Lord is saying to me, is how I'll interact with him. But um, I felt the Lord tell me that he was going to heal her hip. So I told her what I felt like he said to me. And I, I said, well, I, um, I was in line, and, and when I was there, I felt like the Lord told me that he wanted to heal you, and you had pain in your right hip. And so I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And so um, I said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? I put my hand on your shoulder. I just command the pain to go in Jesus' name. And I said, could you test it out for me? So right there in the store, she tests out her hip. 
and she's walking back and forth. She's doing all these like crazy things, you know, just doing all the stuff. Um, and I think she was in her uh, late fifties. Uh, and I said, "How's it feel?" And she said, "The pain is totally gone." totally, totally gone. I'm like, that's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you so much for letting me pray. And as I walk out of the store, my, my friend's just standing there and she goes, hey, you keep on helping people. She just yells it across the whole store. It's just one of those moments of, but I just love those moments that we're talking about him in the presence of God falls and he loves to interact with people. You know, we live a life um, when I think about hearing, I heard it said once that uh, um, uh, wisdom is a hearing ear. And I've even uh, recently just heard that um, um, it's actually a hearing life. And we listen with our whole being. We don't just listen with our ears. We listen with our eyes. We listen with our emotions. We listen with just every part of us. And so... Um, this morning, I, I, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to reign in life in your emotions. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk of emotions, um, you know, forever. And um, I've been a little heartbroken by the way the church talks about emotions a lot. And... Uh, it almost feels like there's these things that we want to get rid of. And once we get rid of them, we'll be able to live this healthy, holy, beautiful, sanctified life. And I want to, I want to let you guys in um, just to some things about growing in emotional health and how to reign in life and emotions. But um, as we go there, let's look at Romans 5 real quick. And this is really just a key passage for us um, in Romans 5, uh, 17. And, and it's something that really our church is, is, is founded on. It's part of the vision of who we are, that we believe that we are called to reign in life. And so here it says this. It says um, in Romans 5, 17, for if because of one man's trespass, Death reigned through that one man, and they're talking about Adam there, that death entered the earth because of Adam. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, everybody say grace, grace. and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through that one man, Christ Jesus. And um, the heart, um, the heart posture in this passage of reigning in life is because we are in him, because we are one with him, because we are forgiven, because we've asked him to be the Lord of our life, that now we have become one with this man, Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I, love, I love grace and I, I love a few things, you know, we've felt very passionate in this season about just going after discipleship on purpose. And a lot of times when we think of discipleship, we, uh, we mostly think of like a new believers class and we're going to learn some about theology. We're going to learn some more understanding about scripture. And that is 100% part of it. But we also long to be discipled in our emotions. We long to be discipled in our thought lives. And so, you know, I love what Dallas Willard says about grace. He says, grace is acting in your life to accomplish what you could not accomplish alone. 
And, you know, you 100% needed grace to enter the kingdom. And we love to talk about grace in the context of salvation. But I don't know about you, but (laughs) I know that I need grace every single moment of every single day. I need to wake up to receive this empowerment, to walk, to be great followers. First, before you're anything else, you're sons and followers. And, and we want to follow Jesus. We love the model of Jesus. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life as a man. He set his divinity aside and he came and lived a perfect life. And he was God and is God. And in that, he died on the cross so that we might be made right and whole for those that call him Lord and Savior. And so in this passage in Romans, you know, we just start out with seeing the how that we reign in life comes from following him. And so I love another thing that Dallas Willard says. He says, the church is for discipleship and discipleship is for the world. The church is for discipleship and discipleship is for the world. Meaning we long to, not, not just this corporate gathering, but we long to have life on life relationships, one to another. We long to have, and in that, the world will know us by the love that we first show one another. They will be invited into the kingdom. And this, this portion of scripture talking about reigning in life, um, this reign connects back to the word that we use all the time, which is kingdom. And it also connects to Genesis 1 language, to subdue or to rule over the earth. And do you know you only rule and reign in one way? It first is as a follower of Jesus. And don't we love what the Beatitudes say, what it starts out with? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that poor in spirit concept, that poor in spirit means utterly dependent on God. Completely, totally dependent on God. Anything you think you can do, even breathe, that came from him. Why doesn't everybody just take a deep breath in? Go ahead, let it out. One more time. Take a deep breath in and let it out. And so we know that we reign for good now. We know that our reigning is connected to goodness. It's connected to his mercy. It's connected to his kindness. It's connected to the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We know that reigning in life is in that. We know that reigning in life is, is falling in love with the book that he gave us, the Bible, to be saturated in his word. We know that reigning in life is having a vibrant prayer life where we're communing. We have a hearing, listening life. It's not just about, again, if your prayer life is all about you talking, you got it backwards. Our prayer is so much about listening and receiving. If your prayer life doesn't have a quiet time, a quiet moment, again, when we think of quiet time, we think of reading and prayer. Back in the 90s, we were all told to have quiet times all the time. But I mean stillness before him, where you're actually listening. We love busy work, guys. (laughs) We love to be busy. 
We love to feel empowered by information, but information does not transform the way that revelation transforms, and that all comes from a personal relationship, personal interaction where we listen, where we hear, where we have a hearing life. And, you know, when it comes to just uh, uh, reigning in life in your emotions, you know, I, I love some certain concepts. They've helped me. And, you know, you yourself, we are three-part beings too. Yeah. And we have a spirit. Pardon me. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. And again, there's been so much teaching, especially when it comes to the Romans passages, Romans 6, 7, and 8. There's this progression. And a lot of times, the way that we've looked at flesh, we've looked at our flesh, we see it as bad. We see it as something to be uh, put down or buried or killed. And I love to look at flesh in a different light because I, I believe that our flesh is actually to be simply submitted to the following and leading of Jesus. And that's where we got a lot of weird stuff. You got revival history that I adore, but looking at things like sexuality to be, uh, to be diminished, to be just killed, to be uh, just put away, rather than that you are created as a sexual being, as a male or female unto God, and in that place it is beautiful. Your sexuality is beautiful. But a lot of times we don't come to those kind of topics and think of beautiful. We just think of our sin. And this is why I, I, I so enjoy, probably my favorite author is C.S. Lewis. And he simply says, badness is spoiled goodness. God cannot, I mean, pardon me, the enemy cannot create. God can only create. The enemy can pervert. He can distort, he can manipulate, but he can never create anything. It's why we can say that this is good. Your body is good, food is good, sex is good, drink is good, but it all has to be submitted to him. And most of us didn't live a life or see a life from maybe our family or different people around us of these things being submitted to him. But we saw a life of, of perversion simply means the wrong version. But the challenge is if you only look at the wrong version, you'll never see the right one. This is why our focus needs to be primarily on the presence of God, a listening life, a place that is just submitted and connected to him. It's why more than anything that he gave you, he gave you himself. He gave you his presence. The problem is it irritates the crud out of us. How does it irritate you? A lot of times we're looking for something so specific. I love the passage in Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. But a challenge, a lot of times, if we're not listening, we're asking what we want. Why didn't you do this? And we get so consumed with the action of faith, looking for something specific, and we don't live a hearing life that listens to the whole story. And that's where hope deferred comes in. And we know that hope deferred makes a heart sick because we get so um, internally and externally focused on one thing. 
I love it that he just sometimes longs and is just with us. He just wants to be with you. And so when I love a few different uh, things within, you know, so you have a body, you know, you have a nervous system, you have your five senses. Your five senses are a gift, guys. And I realize so many of us, we don't live in the present. We live in the future or in the past. It's always about tomorrow. And we love the great rabbi, the great teacher. He taught us about what it looks like to just focus on tomorrow. It looks like worry. It looks like a life of strife. And let's go ahead and read that. I love this passage. Showing the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Um, here at the end. For the Gentiles seek after, this is Matthew 5, uh, pardon me, Matthew 6, 34. For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly, all in the context of what you eat, what you will uh, drink, what you will wear, shelter, food, all these beautiful things. He says, but the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Do you guys know that your needs are good? They're good. They're really good. If you look at your needs as bad, or if you don't think you have needs, you've actually lied to yourself for a really long time. And so um, know that you, um, knowing that you have needs, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. One of the beautiful things about living present, one of the beautiful practices that the Lord give us is just um, being able to take our five senses and be intentional with being present. Touch, sight, smell, taste, hearing. I love in counseling and coaching, I do it with, uh, with individuals and the Lord started talking to me about this about five years ago about our senses, how important they are um, to living present. And, and recently, uh, Jen and I just had some breakthrough in some sp specific areas with the five senses and I've been working with people and it's amazing what happens when you tune in, take one of your senses and focus in on something, how present you become to not just look at something, but actually see something, to actually take it in, to actually look directly at someone, look directly at a flower, something simple. It allows you to live present. And how does this stuff uh, uh, affect our emotional reality? Living present um, helps you to live at peace. And peace is simply the alignment of body, mind, soul, and spirit. Peace is like a lightning rod from heaven. It, it aligns you. It centers you with him. And it allows you to be wherever you're at. The challenge is, is most of us don't actually know where we're at. We, we may know where we're going or where we've came from, but to actually know where you're at takes some serious emotional maturity. It actually takes the spiritual virtue and emotion fortitude. It takes emotional courage to actually be able to be present with yourself. Right now, are you present with yourself? Are you at lunch? 
Are you worried about work tomorrow? Is the pressures and duties of your job feel like it's crushing you? Of parenting? Of sin? Of confusion? Or are you able to be still and know there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus? And so living this life, reigning in life in our emotions, I, I love to think of emotions as, um, you know, we all drive vehicles. And, you know, when you're behind the wheel of your vehicle and all of a sudden that, that annoying light comes on your dashboard and that annoying light says something that you fully don't understand. It says, check engine. <laughs> Can you be at least a little more specific with me? At least the oil light is just for oil. But these lights are like our life when it comes to emotions. So emotions are simply physiological responses to something going on. They're simply your body physiologically experiencing something happening. And most of us, especially as Christians, we've been taught to suppress our emotions. We've actually been taught that emotions are good and bad. You guys know the good ones. You also know the bad ones. Let me hear some of the bad emotions. Come on. Anger. Oh. Fear. Jealousy. Worry. Frustration. Anybody, any other ones? Depression. Sadness. Anxiety. Disgust. I love that. Embarrassment. So, but if you have a belief system that your emotions are good or bad, you will treat them that way. And so when you come to yourself and ask yourself how you're doing, and you're actually uh, somewhat emotionally aware um, if you do feel something like fear or anger, I mean, if you're raised a charismatic, you'll immediately, I mean, you'll just go into the ninja warrior with your emotions. What are you doing? I will command you, my spirit, unto the Lord, to sinner. And so I want to bring three concepts up to you, emotions, feelings, and attitudes. And again, if emotions is simply in a physiological response to something happening, something going on, it's an experience that happens to your body. When you get embarrassed, most likely your cheeks get flushed. When you feel angry, most likely a lot of blood rushes to your knuckles, it rushes to your hands. If you get worried, a lot of times you feel it right here in the center. If emotions are not good or bad, if they're simply neutral, if they're simply the light on your dashboard telling you something is going on, then we ought to come to them in a different way. We ought to look at them through different eyes, maybe through eyes of grace, Maybe through eyes of compassion. 
maybe through the eyes of love. Love is patient. So many of us, when we come to discipleship, we love the discipleship that brings the miracles. We don't really love the discipleship that brings the process. We would rather come to discipleship with the lightning, those encounters. I love the moment when I got a sozo and I sat on the Father's God's lap and he said, you're worth it and you don't have to do a thing. And I felt years of religion fall off of me. I love those moments. I'm so happy for those moments. But what about those hardworking moments of learning something like differentiation? To learn how to be distinct in oneself. And again, a lot of us lived worried lives towards our kids, and we call that parenting. We call that discipleship. No, no. And so our ability to be, again, go back to differentiation, to be, to, to love somebody dearly, to be centered in, but not to become entangled or enmeshed in who they are, what their experiences are. And this is something I know very well because it's one of the hardest things for me to be discipled in. Where I don't actually live my own life. I'm more concerned about everybody else's thoughts, feelings, emotions, needs, and I lose myself. And again, self can get real weird real fast. Where you can find a false self, you can find, again, the billions of dollars that's going to self-help. It simply starts with blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that are utterly dependent on God. And in that place of self, then you find true self. You find healthy self. You actually get to take the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as you you love yourself. If you don't know much about yourself, you're most likely living an enmeshed life with others. If you don't know your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own desires, your own dreams. And again, we love what oneness looks like, right? But guess what? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct, yet one. There's a big difference between codependence and independence and interdependence. Interdependence looks differentiated. It looks, I am distinct as I can love my wife. I can love my kids. I can love the church. I can love you. But that doesn't mean I lose myself in that. Again, this is why we have those weird prayers. It's like, all of you, Lord, none of me. That's embarrassing prayer. Why? Because you're spitting on the image of God that he created in you. He creates something special and distinct and unique and beautiful that there will be nobody else ever created on this planet that looks or acts or has a personality that is so beautiful and distinct as yours. We're all created in his image, every man and woman that will be and will have ever been. And in this place, we get to live free and whole. And so these three these three. Um, areas of, you know, again, if emotions are simply a response, they're simply just knowing something's going on. Quit being so mean to your emotions. 
Would you talk to your kids? Would you talk to your friends like you talk to your own heart? Like you talk to yourself? And so we, we first want to be just wise and understand that our emotions, that if I actually build a relationship with all of them, and now again, in the English language, there's 240-something, I think, last time I looked. And I don't know all of them. But again, what do you do when you feel embarrassed? What do you do when you feel disgusted? What do you do when you feel the emotion of fear, not the spirit of fear. We know what the Lord said about the spirit of fear. The Lord has not given you a spirit of fear. He put the word spirit in front of that very intentionally. Why? Because that is connected to the spirit realm. A healthy emotion of fear is healthy, just like a fear of anger. And most of us learned emotions from our family of origin. And again, if you had an abusive father or mother, the emotion of anger is gonna be, anger is gonna be so scary. So scary. But guess who modeled all these emotions in a beautiful way? Jesus. He had them all. And so we're going to get there in one second. But first, I want to, um, I believe emotions are, uh, fill, uh, uh, um, they happen to you in a millisecond. They happen to you in, in a moment. Feelings are a little bit longer lasting. And attitudes is I think attitudes are where we connect to the spirit realm. And let me read the definition of an attitude. It, an attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about something or someone, typically one that reflects a person's behaviors. So it's settled. This is why do you think the, the, uh, uh, an attitude or a spirit of fear is so destructive? And I love to think of emotions and then go into to attitudes and realize that our attitudes are so connected to the heavens. You guys are heavenly beings. You're meant for heaven. And in that place of being a heavenly being, it's why one of my, my favorite things that Bill Johnson ever install, instilled to us was you don't discipline for action, you discipline for attitude when you're raising your kids. Why? Because an attitude actually connects us into what's going on in the heavens. Have you ever seen, um, have you ever seen a, you know, a child that, you know, that they're, they're starting and, and we do it all the time in our household. We'll ask, um, we'll take some time with our kids and you know, if they're having a hard day at school or something's going on, what's going on? And we'll notice, again, when, when hard things are going on, behaviors start to happen. And, and when hard behaviors start to happen, you know, we ask a lot of questions, what's going on? We give choices. We give all those uh, uh, beautiful parenting tools. Um, but when things start to get uh, uh, longstanding, you got five, six, seven weeks of a certain uh, behavior. And, and just a quick little parenting advice for all you parents out there. Um, you know, when, you, when your kids start to react, uh, uh, especially, you know, the, the, the twos. We've heard the two-year-olds called stupid things like the terrible twos. No, when you're two, you're learning boundaries. <laughs> you find you realize you're a you're separate being than your parents that you're distinct. And in those moments, that's when they start, you know, 
you know, throwing tantrums. They start getting loud. They start telling you the evil word. What's the evil word? No. And a lot of times, what do we do at first as parents? We're like, oh, how dare you? This is like defiance and every other horrible thing we can put out there. It's rebellion. Or my, my two-year-old is rebelling against me. No, they're learning boundaries. They're learning to be distinct. And the challenge is, is if, if we, we just discipline out of action and not out of um, attitude, um, they, they, they learn this, 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 uh, this almost false sense of, um, of self. They learn that having a healthy no is bad. Did you know you guys say no's all the time? You said, uh, you said a million no's to a million other things right this second. Guess what you're giving your yes? You're giving your less to listen to Justin Stockman. Appreciate that. <laughs> and so what, what we'll do with our children is I'll, I'll begin to ask them questions. So what's going on? We'll find out what's going on, how they're feeling. We'll find out what emotion's going on. But then I'll begin to disciple them in the way they should go, which looks like, hey, ah, uh, when you throw yourself on the floor and kick and start screaming, that's not what Stockmans do. Do you see daddy when he doesn't get the candy bar that he wants? Because I actually I don't love candy bars. Oh, I love dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is great. Thank you, Jesus, for dark chocolate. And we begin to disciple them in the way of, of through conversation. But it, when it begins to get into a pattern that's when it begins to interact with the supernatural realm. It begins to interact with the heavens. And they begin to lose themselves. And we find ourselves, even us, we find we lose ourselves when our attitudes start to get connected to the heavenly realm, when our attitudes start to get connected to the spirit of fear, to a spirit of shame. It's why we do so much work with condemnation within the church. So much work between the difference between condemnation and conviction. And the challenge is because we've been so, um, we've had so many moments of immaturity that we actually have to reorient ourselves to knowing that we're in Christ. That once you got saved, you're his for eternity. You're with him, you're in him. Nothing can separate you from his love. But we have to always reorient back to, wait, there's no condemnation. Well, maybe it's actually conviction. And you've, never, um, you've never had a healthy interaction of being convicted by the Spirit of God. And we just go back to, we're casting out the good rather than the bad. And so when it comes to this place of attitude, these settled thoughts and beliefs, is we want to see those things driven out. It's why you deal with attitudes very differently. It's where things like deliverance are so important. Where we say, we get to say no to the spirit of fear and yes to the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. But when we do that, it doesn't mean we bury the emotion of fear. <laughs> And so probably my favorite example of this is, is really with anger. Because um, what is anger for? What is the emotion of anger for? It lets you know that there's an injustice. The emotion of anger is, it comes out of you. It, you can feel it come up because it's letting you know something's wrong, something's not right. Right? 
And with an emotion, you actually get to talk to yourself. And I, and I love this idea with emotions is um, saying some different things because there's some real keys, I, I believe, with emotions is you don't want to talk to yourself like, again, to say that, man, I'm just really ticked off. I, I'm just really, I'm just so angry right now. I think a better way to describe it is I feel angry. And the reason is if you're able to name your emotion, if you're able to name what's actually going on, you can have a healthy relationship with it. And how does this look? So anytime you, you, you connect this back to your identity, and so identity language is so important, guys. So I love it. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And um, when we connect these back to the spiritual realm and the natural realm, and we're able to realize, I am not how I feel. This is not my identity. It's simply something going on. It's simply an experience. This is why identity culture is so important. And who, where does our identity come from? It comes from first that we are sons and daughters of the living God. This is your, your, your most secure place in your identity. It's why in, um, uh, I believe it's, it's Galatians or Ephesians, it says, I cannot be a drunkard. I cannot be an adulterer. I cannot be a homosexual. I cannot be a reviler. I cannot be a liar. I cannot be, list goes on really long. Why? Because I'm in him. It doesn't mean I can't make a poor choice with alcohol or a poor choice with food. The more Christian version of addiction. <laughs> but I am his and he is mine. And now my identity is firmly placed in him first. And that's why emotions when you have the seat as him, as Lord and King, you have something to land on, which looks like I always have patience to land on because I'm in him and he's in me. I always get joy to land in. I always get long suffering. I always get faithfulness. I always get, that's why a lot of times when I do morning work with people, they're like, if I open that door, I'm afraid I'm just gonna fall down into the pit of despair. I'm like, no, you'll actually probably get healed. Because blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When you live a life of ignored emotions, you become blank and numb. Because when you can't experience one, you also throw out all the other ones. And then you have to fake it. And that's where religion comes in. That's when religion comes in. That's why when our heads hit the pillow, what do you feel? So many of us feel alone. It's because we've never had a healthy relationship with emotion. We've tried to suppress them. We've tried to bury them. Rather than, ah, that's just an experience. It's just an experience. And it doesn't consume me because I'm consumed with one thing. I'm poor in spirit. I have the seat of Christ. I get to be fully, intimately grounded in him. 
And so I'd love you to stand on up with me. We want to create a culture, guys, that we're reigning in life in our emotions. Where our emotions beautifully get submitted to him. And that we don't belittle them. And then also with attitudes, we actually get to build a healthy relationship. Have you ever asked another adult, how, how, how do you experience me? How do you experience my attitudes? One of the greatest ways to grow is getting feedback by your friends. And if you have nobody that can speak in your life, I'm sorry, you're living a real isolated life. This is why discipleship, guys, looks like life on life. This is why I can look at my, my wife and say, hey, sweetie, I feel scared right now. Or I feel, hey, honey, I feel angry. And it doesn't throw her up in a, it doesn't throw either of our relationship up in a tizzy. It allows us to then deal with whatever's going on. So put your hand on your heart. Father God, the same compassion the same compassion that we look a lot of times at others, I pray that we would look at our own hearts. I pray that we'd look at our own emotions, that we would see and recognize the place that you've given us emotion. And we thank you that emotion leads us to know what our healthy needs are. And we thank you that you have created us to be not self-sufficient in our, in our own, but you've created us to be interdependent on you and in a healthy way on the body of Christ, one to another. And I pray that we would be such a self-aware community. And I thank you that we won't drown in our emotions when they're simply submitted to you and submitted one to another. So I thank you for a people that can feel. And I just ask that your love would be poured out. Your love would be poured out on every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.